Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Tanya Rooney. She is the founder and owner of Yay You're Here, which is a short and midterm rental company, and the founder of the Thank You Project. Tanya, I'm curious, being the owner, you own five short and midterm rental properties. That's a hell of a lot on its own. And then the Thank You Project, I would imagine that keeps you quite busy. So I'm curious, how do you prioritize and how important is prioritization and organization to you? Yeah. So actually, I think when people hear multiple house numbers like that, I mean, mine's a pretty small portfolio considering got friends with hundreds. <laughs> oh, but man. actually, um, it doesn't take up as much time as you'd think. Like the buying process and things like that on the front end, those take up a lot more. But as I'm a couple of years in, I actually just have systems and processes in place. So prioritization is really important. But I think it's like the success that I see is typically because of a process that I have or something that I actually handed off. But priorities during the day, I'll be honest, not a ton of them are super business. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it's good that you have those systems in place. I mean, I'm sure it took you some time to get there. So I'm sure those first few years were a lot more hectic and you had to be more mindful of your time and prioritization and organization. Yeah, absolutely. I think freeing up your time to be able to do things is really important. And everyone has to go through that journey. And I think it's kind of ugly, at least in general. And it depends on who you are and what else you have. Thankfully, I have a small family. It's just me and my husband. So that makes it a lot easier in my life to be able to prioritize things because I don't have to worry about when the kids have to be home from school and things, and then I just have businesses, and then I have to prioritize my own, my husband and my family life. But but yeah, you have to go through this journey, and it can be kind of nasty, and it's just because you realize how busy you are, and then you go through this crazy journey of like the busy badge, and you know, oh, I'm this busy, and everybody's just trying to top themselves about how busy they are. And I'll be honest, over the last eight years, I hate the busy badge. And I don't really care for when people tell me I'm busy. I'm just like, actually, I choose the things that I want to do every day. And I think people would be surprised at what my day looks like. because (laughs) They think I'm busy because I might say, well, I've got a couple of meetings today. I got to hop on this call or I got to go to this house. And that sounds busy, but it's literally because that's what I have to do. But I have a lot of downtime, so or a surprising amount. So, which is important. You need that downtime. It can't all be work, 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 and no play. Yeah. Oh gosh, no, it can't be. That would be awful. <laughs> so, what were you doing before you made the jump into entrepreneurship? 
So I went to college. I graduated from college around 2010, and then I hopped into a commercial real estate company called CBRE. They're the biggest commercial real estate company in the world, actually. And I hopped into a shared services group, and then all of a sudden I got moved over into project management. So I was supporting corporate real estate firms on you know, build-outs and construction management and things like that. And I was with CBRE for about nine years. <clears throat> okay. And so what inspired you to jump into the short and midterm rental market game? And how did you get started in that world? Yeah. So actually it all was because of one weekend that I was, I was working <laughs> for CBRE. I, I feel like everybody has their pivotal moment. And I, yeah. I know when mine was. I remember the feeling I had. It was a Saturday morning. I was talking to a client. Actually, I was talking to another vendor about a client within a project that I had at CBRE, and they were just trying to save some money on a really big project. They were trying to save like two or three grand on an $8 million project, and it was a Saturday morning, and I don't like doing business on the weekend if I didn't have to, at least at that point. So honestly, I was just super irked. So I reached out to a couple of friends, and I'm like, I don't want to work in this corporate world anymore, yada, yada, yada. And somebody suggested that I look into flipping houses, so they they turned me on to a place called Bigger Pockets, which is a big forum and uh, podcast group, actually. Now it's huge. It used to just be one podcast. So I started listening to that. I think that was May of 2018-ish, I think. No, 2017. And then we bought a house three months later. So we started flipping houses at that point. Okay. And then fast forward a few months, we got another house. And then I was like, okay, well, if I'm really going to do this, I probably need to join a group. I need to figure out how to do this faster, to do it better, to just have better resources. Because when you do things like on the side, I feel like when people start side businesses, they don't understand. I mean, you're just making it up. But there's people out there that have already made it up. They've already done it so many times. So that's one thing that I've realized that you kind of need to start finding those people that are already doing that thing. So why not? You, you don't have to copy them, but you can copy them. So I found a short-term rent or no, at, the, at that time it was a flipping group. It was called Seven Figure Flipping and Wholesaling. I hopped into that group and started flipping houses and really got into that. And then I realized how much I didn't really care for the way it made my life. Like just my everyday stuff, I'd get really frustrated with contractors and things and that kind of came home with me and my husband is the coolest guy ever and it's just like, <laughs> I'm not even mad at him I'm mad at a contractor for something silly so I'd come home a little too annoyed <laughs> so I started realizing it was because of that so I didn't really want to do that anymore I enjoyed flipping houses I think it's really fun but I didn't honestly have a good enough system to hand things off so I was doing a lot of the work and that just means coordinating contractors we made right. it percent of the actual swinging hammer. So we did that. And then honestly, we had a flip that wasn't selling for what I wanted it to sell for. Was just like, well, we just spent all this time and all this money on this flip and I'm not losing money. And I wanted to make at least a certain amount. So one of my buddies from that flipping mastermind had told me, he's like, well, have you thought about making it to a short term rental? He's like, I could help you run some numbers. So we hopped on a phone call and he showed me numbers. And I'm like, even if these are conservative, I mean, we could still make pretty good money off of it. So I hopped in on accident, kind of, because I just didn't want to sell a house for less than a certain profit. So we started that house in 2020, I think at this point, and we kind of haven't looked back. And now we added four more to our portfolio. We have four short-term rentals and one mid-term rental. And yeah, so we 
kind of like fell into it, I guess. <laughs> What's a short-term versus a mid-term rental? Can you explain that? Yeah. So it, it's really interesting because there's so many more acronyms out there these days. But short-term rentals mean it's 29 day, days or less. So if somebody okay. wants to pay for one night, two nights, seven nights, and then 30 day plus is considered a midterm rental. So in my world specifically, a midterm rental is still furnished just like a short-term rental. And a short-term rental is like a vacation rental. You would find it on Airbnb, VRBO, Expedia, like those kinds of places alternative to a hotel and then a midterm rental it might not have you know it's like there's a couple of things that might be different between a short term and a midterm you might have a little less stuff in the house but truly like the midterm rental then hits on people that are traveling nurses so they're coming into town doing nurse contracts for a couple of months they might be traveling engineers they could be traveling IT people or just somebody coming into town to hang out with their kid who is an adult that just had a baby. Like we've had people, those just come in for a few months. And yeah, so it's just a little bit different structure. The taxes are different and things like that. Now, would you find, would you find the midterm rentals on Airbnb as well and Expedia and places like that? You can find them on Airbnb. I've heard it's so interesting because I mean, I live in the United States, I live in Minnesota and it's so big. I feel like culturally there are just so many different options within the US that things that work really, really well for me in Minnesota, they totally don't work in other markets. So maybe in California or something. So some people do list them on Airbnb, but I I have the most luck. I've, I've actually listened on it and maybe gotten one inquiry over a year. <laughs> I usually oh, wow. use something called Furnish Finders, which is typically where a lot of nurses go. You can become partners with local insurance places. So when somebody's house burns down or maybe they have a flood, those people, that family of five has to go somewhere. They don't yeah. typically just put them into a a hotel if they don't have to. Insurance companies don't want to pay for a hotel. And those people don't want to live in a hotel for two months. That's awful. Where yeah. you food and do your homework and do your meetings. Yeah, exactly. So you can actually partner with insurance companies and there's websites that actually can link you to things like this. So those people would call on you and say, hey, do you have this? Do you have this many bedrooms? Do you have availability for this? So we've had a couple of those reach out. I don't think any of them have honestly worked out, but there's different options for things like that. A lot of it is networking or networking with real estate agents. There's tons of people that are building houses right now. And yeah. I don't know, I feel like everybody knows at least one person building house and that they were supposed to be in November, but it's March and they're still not in. So those <laughs> people might've already sold their house. So they need a place to live too. So there's a couple of good places to network. Right. Uh, people. Um, and so now you've been doing this for three years. You said you really got into this in 2020. So it's been three years. Yeah. Now. Short and midterm rentals has been since 2020. And I've been in real estate for 12 years now because CBRE was real estate as well. So can you explain a little bit more about the how the whole business works then? Yeah. So we obviously furnished five houses. We put them on different platforms to get people to actually book our houses. We can do it Airbnb, VRBO, and then we also have like direct booking. So that just means Brad Walsh wants to come to Minnesota. He wants to hang out in St. Paul for a week and he might not want to pay Airbnb to do that, but he still wants the house. So you might be able to find me on social media or on the internet, like uh, just, you know, on a Google search. So we have people stay in our houses and then we provide pretty nice houses, at least in my opinion. And it seems like our reviews say the same. Yeah. And then it, it's kind of cool. If you've never used a short-term rental, it just means when you travel, 
you might like to eat out every single time. Well, me and my husband love to travel and we don't like to eat out the whole entire time. We like to cook. We like to have, you know, some creature comforts, like to have a full living room, things like that. So we provide all the creature comforts that you could imagine. We have really fully stocked kitchens because it's really important to me to be able to cook places because I love cooking. So we provide that kind of stuff and then starter packs of everything. So, you know, you don't have to bring your own toilet paper and your own dishwashing detergent. So we have people come in and then we give them suggestions on when they're in town, like what they should do. We help them out if they need help, like just, you know, maybe they're coming in for a family reunion and they need the fridge stocked. They need like all this orange juice. They need eggs. They need everything for waffles and then everything for spaghetti. They can reach out to our team and we just have it stocked for them. Right. So it's pretty fun, actually. (laughs) It's funny that you bring this up and we're talking about this because I stayed in Minneapolis two different times a month at a time. And the company I was working for put me up in an extended stay Holiday Inn. So I just and of course, the extended stay Holiday Inn had a kitchen and everything. So I just lived there for a month at a time. Yeah. It's it's it's, just, you know, it was great having that kitchen because you don't want to eat out every day. No, it, honestly, it's kind of stressful. I, I, I don't mind eating out, but I just I love cooking in general. So it's like, I don't know how many times can you have a burger out at even a great burger place. But do you want that five days a week? Personally, I don't. So just having the opportunity to have a spot, you feel like you have a full living room to hang out in. And yeah, your stuff. And it's really awesome. So I went to part, Boston. Like, Mar- I went to Boston Market quite a bit. <laughs> oh, see, that sounds terrible to me. <laughs> but you know, they, to each their own. Some people are completely like I know people that eat Chipotle seven days a week, and I, <laughs> I think it's completely fine. I think for the average person, or maybe even the average family, if you think about it, you know, if you had one or two kids at home, would you yeah. want to feed them Boston Market every day? And not saying that that's a bad thing, because it's truly not. Like everybody gets to live their own life. Yeah. And everybody has different sets of experience that have made them into the human being they are today. And I don't think any of it is right or wrong. I just, I'm trying to hit the people that this is their normal. They need to hang out. They want to have a place for all their stuff. And then we provide it. And then yeah. back end, like the stuff that I have to do for my business, it's funny because a lot of it I hand off to other people. Like you have to clean in between guests. So I have cleaners that do all that. You have to coordinate all those cleanings. You have to coordinate yeah. laundry. We typically do really big houses. We have a six bedroom house. We have a five bedroom house, a three, a two and a one. And right. the six in the five bedroom house like they're so big that you can't do a turnover that quick it's impossible to do all the laundry and the cleaning within like a six hour window so we have other partners that come in and help us they come and pick up the laundry and then they drop the laundry off a day or two later so so we have all that back end stuff and then airbnb and vrbo like all the marketing stuff all that has to be tweaked not super regularly but regularly probably once a week or once every other week and same with our pricing the cool part about I don't know, living in the century that we live in is I don't have to go and look and see how much hotels are in the area. There are people that have created these amazing algorithms that just take into consideration everything that's happening. They look at hotels, they look at concerts that are coming into town, games that are coming into town, if there's a huge marathon, and then this pricing tool actually just does the work for us. I might forget that Twin Cities, so there's a thing called the Twin Cities Marathon every year, and I never know I would forget to go in and actually hike up my 
price that weekend because that means there's going to be a huge influx of people in the town. And we have some great spots. We're not far from the route. So that means like runners might want to stay at our houses. So I would never remember that, oh, instead of $135 for this house, I could actually get $285. Well, there's a pricing algorithm that does that for me. Ah, okay. Really Very beautiful. cool. Yeah. That's like the, awesome. the technology is just so neat that somebody came up with something that does this stuff for me because I mean, a lot of people would just say, no, I can always get $110 a night for my house. This is great. Well, I want more than $110 a night for my house or for this. Yeah, for sure. So so it just kind of does it for me. So I'm just kind of over here pulling some levers here and there and then, you know, telling my assistant the things that I need help with. And and so it's pretty great. (laughs) Love it. What lights you up or inspires you the most about this work? So there's a couple things. One thing is when people notice little things, I tend to be a thoughtful person. I put a lot of effort into like maybe an experience. We have one house that is so jammed. It's actually my favorite house. It's the last one we bought. And I think uh, the reason that we buy houses that are really big is because I love girls weekends. They're my jam. Like I want to hang out with 10 other girls in a house for a weekend and just have fun and have margaritas and talk about our husbands and our families and talk about our hopes and dreams and that kind of stuff. So when I bought this house, that's how I designed it. I was all about, I, I, connected with a designer, I told her my vision was about, I just want people to have fun here. So when I think of a girls weekend, I think of music because I'm jamming with my gals when we're driving to a house or when we're together. So every single bedroom in this house has its own song lyric because I'm also a lyric person. I love the words that we use and how impactful they can be. All kinds of songs that just get me so excited. Like, you know, they're they're ones because that just, yeah, they just kind of make me happen. So every single bedroom was designed around a very specific lyric, and then everyone has a lyric in it with a little QR code that leads you to a song on YouTube or that song on YouTube so you can have a good time. Or while you're getting ready, you know, you might want to listen to this song. So when people notice things like that, they notice these little tiny things that you do. They always notice the things you don't do, and they notice the things that are broken. Um, But the ones that, like, I feel like the most special guests are the ones that are like oh my gosh you remember this and then fill in the blank like they'll just tell you something that you did so long ago because you set this house up a year ago that you're just like oh I love it when people appreciate that and then just hearing the stories about the people that are coming in we had a few book clubs this year some people we haven't met in 15 years but we've been doing this book club so we're going to meet at your house or we had a knitting club we have curling teams come in like axe throwing competitions like things that you don't even know It just puts a spotlight on how different we all are, but how awesome it can be because I don't know. I've never been to an axe throwing competition. (laughs) I've had a whole house full of axe throwers. (laughs) So yeah, that's the stuff that makes it really exciting. It's when somebody has a great experience and then they want to tell you about it on how, oh, we haven't been able to see our family in, in COVID. I mean, it screwed up everybody's travel for so long. So there's so many stories of I haven't seen these people in three years and we used to see each other three times a year. And now they can start gathering again. And yeah, yeah. That very me cool. <laughs> so on the flip side of that, what would you say is one of the most challenging parts? <laughs> so keeping standards and then matching the vendor partners with those standards. Like I have high standards. I don't want to come into a house and ever see a piece of hair. I know I travel. It, it's really nice to be a host the way that I am because I travel too. I'm always paying attention when I'm going to different houses. I'm noticing things that like, well, we want to make sure our pans 
aren't like loose and weird and we want to make sure that they have all of the little utensils that they need and then making sure that my standards come through with our vendor partners and when i say vendor partners so it's typically my cleaning team and then my inspection team so they have to go back through after the cleaners are done and make sure everything's good so i mean one piece of hair could just screw up the whole entire stay because all you have to do is see one piece of hair on a pillow on a pillowcase and most humans think, oh, this place is dirty. And it's just the one piece of hair that maybe you wouldn't find it anywhere else. So it's keeping these standards and then ensuring that the cleaners know how important it is, but also not like, I mean, they know how to do their jobs. I'm not going to make them all wear hair nets. That seems so silly. They're people too <laughs> and they have jobs. And, you know, yeah. so it's a balancing act all the time. Like how yeah. I'm to treat my cleaners really good because they honestly make or break my business. They're the ones who do all the things and I get good stars because of them. <laughs> so it's Absolutely. just uh, making sure like that balancing act is pretty challenging. I'll be honest. Yeah, you also coach others on this whole type of business, correct? Yes, I totally do. So I think I've been doing like, I've kind of, I've been coaching people honestly for about four years because when I was in the flipping business, I was part of seven figure flipping and wholesaling mastermind and I became a coach there. So I was coaching first time flippers and just people on how to do some of that. So then moving into the short term rental business, I, I found an another mastermind because that's what I do. And within that, I have a lot of peers. It's really, really fun to hang out with them. So we talk a lot, but then I like to tell people what I'm doing. I know that that's how I'm going to be the most successful at raising money for my properties, at finding good deals that I didn't even know were out there. Because when people know what you're doing, when you're talking about that, then you're all of a sudden the subject matter expert. Like they know, yes. well, well, Tanya talks about church rentals or Tanya talks about flipping. So people talk to me about all of this stuff. They're watching me. Whether they're pushing like or not, there are lurkers everywhere. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. Somebody and I'm like, I didn't even know, I haven't thought of you in you know seven years, but they're telling me how they're following me. So I think with the coaching portion, people now know that that's what I do. So a lot of people reach out and they want a little bit of time to talk about A, B, C, D. Uh, so I kind of started a coaching business surrounding that. And it's just now getting, you know, it's, it's just now getting people to actually call picking me. up traction <laughs> yeah i love it yeah cause it's super fun to me i love i hope if you can hear people can typically tell when i'm excited about something yeah you can hear so the enthusiasm and passion yeah absolutely it goes through the roof so i love talking about real estate and my poor friends and family they're just like oh we have to talk about real estate again and i'm just like i could talk about real estate 24 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> so i think coaching just kind of goes hand in hand with that that it's like well i'm happy to tell you this is my experience this is when i started so i don't have 10 or 20 years of, of vacation rental experience but i have this much i love to tell people this is the great thing about this and it's all work we're all doing work in some way shape or form so it's just how can you do work that maybe makes you a little happier than set your soul on fire absolutely yeah for sure you've also started the one mile a day challenge can you speak to us a little bit about that and what the inspiration behind starting that was yeah. So I feel like everything comes from a mastermind for me. And, you know, if you don't know what a mastermind is, it's just a group of people that typically they like the same subject. So when I started flipping houses, I was in a mastermind with all kinds of people. There was a few hundred people in it, actually. And I, I made a lot of friendships. Well, one person just mentioned their husband was going to run a mile every day from Memorial Day to Labor Day. And I thought about that. And I was like, oh, that kind of sounds fun. And then I thought further about it. And I'm like, 
I could probably do that. And then I think I got around to Labor Day and I'm just like, well, I'm this far. Why wouldn't I keep going? And that's kind of the personality I have <laughs> because right now, so whatever today is, I am on day. I do a couple of different things, but my mile, I'm actually on day 699 today. So I thank you. I take habit building to like a really crazy level. So I started doing the mile a day challenge just because one guy said he was going to do it. And I was like, I feel like I can handle that. I started out running and then I actually hurt my foot. Eventually I almost got to a year and then in April. So my year would have been May 28th ish. And in April I had that surgery on my feet and I was like, shoot, I tried to shuffle a mile. And my doctor's like, you're not going to be able to do that, Tanya. You need to take some time off. So it took a few weeks off, and then I started again, and that's why I'm on day 699. I'm closer to over a 1,000, but I took about a month off and then just kept doing, like, I just get in a mile. And every year I kind of change it a little bit. First yeah. year it was just jogging, walking, whatever. Now it's I can row, I can cycle. If I cycle, it's got to be at least five miles. I just create these random rules, and then I just stick by them. So no matter what, it. I get a mile in of something – and it could be, you know, it, it could be rowing, it could be swimming, cycling. And I don't care if I'm sick. I don't care. Like, I mean, I think I had COVID a couple of weeks ago. I didn't test positive, but I think I had it. And I was delirious and I still do it. It does not matter. It's rain or shine. It's blizzard or no blizzard. I might go to the mall and walk a mile, but I'm just determined that that's, that's what happens. <laughs> I love it. Stay consistent. I want to speak a little bit about your thank you project. Can you tell us what that's all about? Yeah. So actually, my mile a day, this it morphed because of my mile a day. So I started on, um, you know, reflecting once I was almost to the year mark of my mile and was like, okay, I'm going to do something else. I just don't know what it is. And a few weeks prior to that, I sent a thank you card to somebody because I love sending handwritten notes. I think those are something that set my soul on fire. They're so great. So I got a message back from a guy that I used to work with at CBRE. I just told him how appreciative I was of the way he trained me to do a couple of things. And it was like, it's, it's just things that I, a good project manager or maybe a good person that hires contractors should act. They should always tell somebody if they don't get a job, why they don't get a job, stuff like that, because really it's just relationship building. Yeah. So I told him how much I appreciated that. So I sent him that in a card and he sent me a text back and he's just like, Tanya, that was really, really nice of you. Thank you. It made my entire week. So I was thinking of that and I was like, whoa, wait a minute. What if I could do this? Every day for a year, send a thank you card, a handwritten thank you card. And how does it affect other people? Like, I know when I get a thank you card, I love it. If I'm in a crappy mood, it seems like they just hit at the right moment. You get it in the mail and you open it up and you're just like, oh, crap. I just had a crap day. Seriously, it was just shit. And now I just had somebody tell me how much they appreciate me for A, B, or C, whatever, whatever it's filled blank. And I thought, what kind of ripple effect you could have because – I know when I'm having a crappy day and my husband comes home, I feel really bad for him. I'm just like, can you just leave me alone for a little bit? Uh, yeah. like, if I got that card at 3 p.m. and Matt got home at 4 p.m., I am not crabby anymore. So then I thought of the ripple effect that this could have if you hit somebody at the right time in, from the mailbox because a text message totally works. I mean, it's fine. An email, I don't feel like email thank yous count anymore. I have these arbitrary rules in my head and I'm just like, everybody can send a thank you in an email. I can put thanks on literally every single email that I ever send and it's different. So when you get a handwritten note from somebody, it just 
I don't know. Someone had to make that effort. And it's funny because the effort is five minutes or less. It's actually like two minutes, depending on how deep you want to go with a thank you card. But sending a handwritten anything and then giving them a little bit of encouragement or just telling them why. I'm on day 334 of doing a thank you. Yeah. And you have to think of a lot of people. I've doubled and tripled up. My rules are you just can't send it to the same person in one month. But because I'm like, well, I really do have to thank this person, though, because I just saw them and they did this cool thing. And I I saw them last month and they did something cool then, too. So I I have some of those rules. But you have to think up a lot of freaking people. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And it's really fun, though, to dig down deep and be, whoa, oh, my God, I remember this person from high school. Or One of my favorite thank you cards I've ever sent was the first time I sent one to one of my friend's parents. Me and my friend were both adults. I hung out with her and her family and saw all of her siblings anyways at some festival. And it just dawned on me, oh, my God, I totally want to send Judy a card. So I sent her mom a card that next day. It was just like, Judy, your kids are so fantastic. All of them made an effort to come up and hang out and talk to me. And it's just really respectful. I feel like you have really good kids and I appreciate that you did that. Thank you for sharing your knowledge with your kids and making them good people. And I got the coolest text message back like a month later. She's like, I'm so sorry. It's been a while, but I I made sure I talked to every one of my kids to tell them about it before I sent anything to you. But thank you so much. That made my entire week. I mean, my friend's mom is going to talk about that probably for a year. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. It, It goes a long way because you don't get handwritten letters anymore. It's all technology-based, email, text, all of these things. So to get a handwritten thank you card, that speaks volumes, and it goes a long way for sure. It does, and they'll talk about it. You hang it up. I mean, some people throw them away. Totally fine, but it doesn't matter. You're telling that person that they made an impact. Now, I mean, I've, I've done, like, grade school teachers, my my high school principal, anybody that I thought has shaped me in any way, shape or form, or that I had an awesome time with in high school. I mean, I sent one to a gal the other day that I don't talk to, but I know she still exists. I grew up in a very small school. I graduated with 50 people. So I remember everybody and telling her this one time, you know, we, we went on a senior trip and it was in London and we had some really funny times. So when I think of that human, I think of those things. And I was just like, why don't I tell her that? I'm always telling people, if they'll tell me about some instance or my husband reminisce about some guy in high school or something that happened, I'm like, why don't you shoot him a text and tell him that? Because who doesn't love a text saying, oh my gosh, you remember that time we did this crazy thing in high school or this fun thing? Like, it's or just, just a text just to let someone know you're thinking about them, just to say hello and that they're on your mind. I think that means so much. It, it means wow. the world to me when I get those. I love that. I know. It's just so amazing. So the Thank You Project just stemmed from that. It was just, like, how can we tell more people that they're awesome? Like, that's <laughs> I love it. Right? <laughs> yeah. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? So this one's kind of tough. I feel like the lesson is probably who you surround yourself with matters. It matters a lot. And it's really hard to discern what was life before or after because I've realized I love community. I've always loved community in any way, shape or form. Teams, you know, college, people I work with, and then the next people I work with, college buddies, high school buddies, all of this. So they've always meant something to me. But now I think knowing about that 
is just so it's so interesting because who you give your energy to oh my god it matters it matters so so much if you're feeling down and maybe you just got off of a phone call like listening to a friend talk about their husband for 45 minutes and how they're super pissed with him what does your energy level look like yeah and then talk to somebody who just told you that they just got engaged and you know their energy is so their frequency is so high and if you compare those two specific things, I mean, we all have to have both of these conversations. Yeah. But just take stock and realize who gives you energy and who takes it away. You're going to have both in your life. But if you were to spend more time with that person that always bitches about their husband or bitches about their wife, you know that your frequency is going to be lower. Whereas if you're always talking to somebody that's really excited about whatever it is, or like maybe you're planning a new business with somebody and you both have all these cool ideas going back and forth, or you get to talk about things that inspire you, those are the times that your energy and your frequency level is going to be a lot higher. So I think who you surround yourself with, everyone talks about, you know, the five yeah. people you surround yourself with, but it's actually true. And once you start experiencing it, it just dawns on you and you're like, whoa, my life is so different because of these people. So I think yeah. that's probably one of the most important things I've ever learned. <laughs> Stay away from the energy vampires. Oh, God, they're just the worst. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You have to give them time sometimes. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying true. you have to cut everybody out, but you do have to be cognizant of how much time you give yeah, them. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? So I think it's probably people. So it's interesting because a lot of people will say people are their superpower, but I think in some instances, mine really is. I can get people excited because I'm excited and I transfer that excitement and people might even get excited about something they don't care about, but because of the way I talk about it, they'll get excited. And I transference. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And that makes people jump in or I jump into things. And that's probably why if I see any success, I I don't know the word success. It's it's amazing when you can celebrate someone. I love celebrating people's successes and cheering them on and supporting them. It's an it gives me such joy and it feels so incredible to be able to do that for somebody. Yeah, I've got a couple of friends. Well, I've got tons of friends that have babies, but I love it when they tell me that their wife just had a baby or they just had the baby because I always send a voice text message and I've realized I need to do this because I can put a lot of exclamation marks in a text message and they kind of understand. But when you hear my voice or you get a video from me saying, oh my God, I'm so fucking excited for you. This is such great news. It's amazing. And I've had- Yeah, because the energy level's there. You can can feel it. Yeah. And it's like, I want you to know, I actually am excited. You guys have been trying for this baby for so friggin' long. And now all of a sudden she's here and she's perfect and all of yeah. these things. And when you get to tell somebody that, you know, in that form, man, it's just so absolutely <laughs> speaking of success. How do you define the word success? What does that word mean to you? This one's really hard for me because I feel like it's such a personal thing because I don't fucking know. (laughs) Because sometimes, I mean, the comparison is just the root of all friggin' evil. But at the same time, if we're not comparing, you know, some people will hear, oh my God, you have five properties. It's so many. And I'm over here in my head because I've got devils in my head saying, yeah, but you only have five. But a couple of years ago, I had zero. So it's so interesting to do things like this. And I feel like success just evolves because at one point it was about having properties. And that was the goal is like, how can I do this? And now I'm in a 
portion of my life where I'm just freaking happy. How, how cool is that? It's way better than getting houses. I get to talk to my husband. I get to read a lot. I love reading. So it's just like how I spend my day. What does it look like at the end of the day? Do I feel like I was able to encourage some people, bring anybody joy? Was I able to you know, get some reading in? Did I get my miracle morning in? Just that kind of stuff. So I feel like success, it's really hard for me to answer that because it changes so often. I just want to be able to pay my bills. I want to be able to go and see cool places and I want to go meet up with cool people. There you go. Comparison is the thief of joy. It's awful. (laughs) It is. Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? So I'm not positive if I can narrow it down to one because my mom is pretty awesome. The further I get into adulthood, the more I realize, holy shit, she is a boss ass human being because I still get sick. So I'm 36. And when I get sick, my husband's jamming. He loves to, you know, dote on me, especially even if I'm sick, but I still want my mom. I think about the impact my mom made on me and how she always made sure I felt loved. I feel like she was always there for me, whatever I needed. She's always given me space. I'm a pretty independent person. I don't rely on a ton of people, but I knew if I needed something, she was there and she was always there cheerleading me. She was there for every game, for whatever. And and again, as an adult, I also see she had a ton of jobs when we were little. She would have two or three jobs at any given time. And that takes a lot. Like it's yeah. really, But then on the flip side, my husband, his name is Matt, and I met him in my early 20s. And I've been with him almost half of my life at this point. And man, I have evolved so intensely because of the love and support of that man gives me. He's always like, okay, Tanya, what's next? And that poor man is just riding in the little sidecar and I'm on the motorcycle and he's like, how did this happen? I hate the motorcycle. <laughs> but he's just got his goggles on and he's like, whatever you need. <laughs> I love it. That's hilarious. <laughs> the support you have around you is just so important. If he told me that I wasn't good enough, if he told me that I couldn't do something, it, it would just drag me down. But he doesn't tell me stuff like that. He's really encouraging and he's just, hey, what's next? You know, I'll support you. I've made him change in some ways, <laughs> that poor guy, but we get to travel. He's such an influence and such a bright spot in my life. That's the person that I want around me. And when you have a partner like that, like whatever it could be, it could be your best friend. It could be, your, it could be one of your parents. It could be your spouse. I don't care who it is, but when you have somebody that's such a bright spot, it just, it makes everything easier. You know, it allows you to soar. Oh, it totally does. It's crazy. What does the word empowerment mean to you? I think of empowerment and I think of knowledge, actually. So I think of knowledge as one of the most powerful things that we could ever have and continuing to get knowledge and gain knowledge. And I feel like once you have that knowledge, it empowers you to make decisions and to do the thing that you keep talking about doing. You know, if somebody wants to start a business, just go start the damn business. But you feel like you don't have enough knowledge and, you know, so you might be nervous about it. So I feel like When I think of empowerment, I actually think of the word knowledge and knowledge empowers us. We can also empower each other. I think of a friend that might have, you know, a bad day, a bad week, whatever, but you tell her that thing or you tell another person some kind of encouraging thing. You you mentioned earlier, like you get a text message or you get to send a text message to encourage somebody. And I feel like that empowers somebody to feel confident in whatever they're doing in their day in themselves. So, yeah. For sure. Okay. (laughs) Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. Okay. How would you describe yourself in one word? Uh, Woo. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm serious. If you if you know me, I I'm not one of the annoying woo girls, but I'm totally a woo girl because I think of someone just like woo. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> what is one of your favorite quotes? The best is yet to come. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Realizing we are different and that's okay. What is your favorite self-care practice? Miracle morning. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Encouragement. What never fails to make you laugh? Videos of people falling down. Not when they get hurt, but when they fall down, it makes me <laughs> totally laugh. As long as there's no pain involved. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's pain, but still, they make me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> what challenge in your life, Tanya, would you say has shaped you the most? I'd probably say failure. And I use that word very loosely because I think failure is just experience. I don't think anybody ever fails because if you ever have to declare bankruptcy or shut down your business, whatever you did, you just learned how not to do it. And none of that knowledge got taken away from you. If you just lost money on a house, not a big deal. Now you know not to do that on the next house. So I feel like the challenge of just all of this business stuff, I fail at things all the friggin' time and I fucking hate it. <laughs> but yeah. Like it's really frustrating, but I think it shaped me because you have to keep going. You don't have a choice. I can't just stop doing all the things, even if I want to. So I feel like failure in a way or all those experiences that I don't consider failure, those are all challenges and they've totally made me into the person that I am. Absolutely agreed. As long as we take the lesson, I think there's a lesson to be learned in every experience that we go through. And as long as we learn from that lesson and continue to improve, that's what it's about. So good. <laughs> what is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? I think it's probably that failure piece. I think everybody has to be knocked on their ass at some, in some way, shape or form so that they can kind of realize, oh, okay, I'm not invincible. And seeing other people, actually, I mean, I probably even choose seeing other people, the real behind the scenes. We have all these people that we put up on pedestals all the time. Like I'm in mastermind. So that means there's leaders of the mastermind. There's people that I consider heavy hitters. You know, they're doing 100, 200, 300 deals a, a year in real estate. That's, that's a big thing. But finding out that those are people too. They've got yeah. the same shitty problems that I have, like trying to find vendors, trying to find money, trying to find the deals, all that stuff is normal. And I think you need to know that the person next to you, we're all fighting something friggin' A. That's <laughs> right. Nobody's got a perfect life. If you think someone has a perfect life, it's hilarious because that's just, you're just seeing their highlight reel. You don't get to see behind the scenes every single day. So I was just going to say, there's a lot of highlight reels out there, especially on social media. And I think that's one of the things about entrepreneurship that we need to start shining a light on is the fact that there is a downside to it. There are struggles along the way and you're going to struggle. And I mean, solopreneurship can be fucking lonely and that's a challenge. And we need to talk about the other side of entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship gets romanticized and glamorized on social media. And don't get me wrong. I love entrepreneurship. It's incredible. It's a beautiful thing. And I could never see myself going back and working for a company again, but we need to start having conversations about the other side of it so that people are aware when they're first coming into and stepping into entrepreneurship that it's not going to be all puppy dogs and rainbows and ice cream. You know, it's totally not. I think that's the reason that I joined masterminds because I need 
the like um, within flipping or in real estate, we call it the real estate roller coaster. You might make thirty thousand dollars in the morning, and you might have a contractor screw you over for five thousand dollars in the afternoon. Like yeah. this is truly every fucking day. And same with hosting. I mean, you just put in four weeks and forty thousand dollars worth of furniture into this house, and it's literally your heart and soul in that house because you love hosting and then the second guest fucking breaks something and you take it as a personal slight and it's like it's just business guys but you have to go through that and when you have other people you need other business owners around you you just have to like there's not just one of you out there there's just it's just not possible no you can't you can you absolutely cannot do entrepreneurship on your own you can't and we're not meant to in my opinion we're not meant to do entrepreneurship we're not meant to do life alone you just you simply cannot period you have to have have peers of some kind like you need to bounce something you might know it all but you but you don't you become better because of those people and then you also have a support group i have i have I have nine people I talk to every single day in our text message string about short-term rentals. We all have problems. We're all in different markets. We all just have different ebbs and flows. And we're there, though, because we understand when somebody trashes something or we understand when somebody gets an amazing review and it makes you want to cry. You want to share that with somebody. And, you know, it's not always your spouse, or your friends or family. It can it can be other entrepreneurs. It's so funny. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. Nope. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> Tanya, what's something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the past year? I think that I got kicked down and I'm realizing I stayed down longer. And it it's interesting because my version of staying down is very different than what somebody would see. It's kind of like that high, highlight reel again. It's like they wouldn't know the struggles in my head of, well, should I do this thing? So I feel like I found out my fears. There's some really big sandbags that I've been holding on to that I'm like, what the hell? Once I found them out, it's easier to navigate some conversations and just some things that I do because I know about those fears. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? I feel like I would want it to be RGB for sure, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but I would need her to already be comfortable with me because, you know, an interview is different than actually sitting on a couch, you know, with a glass of wine or a glass yeah. of or something. I would need her to be comfortable because I want to actually ask some real questions. Yeah. It's so funny because we make this impact and we don't even know we're making it. I mean, I'm sure a couple of people follow me. And I hear about it one out of every 30 people. So RBG like made this huge impact and she was just living her damn life. Just the yep. same that we all do. We're just living our life. And then you're realizing you're making an impact. Everybody actually does make an impact. Even if you think nobody knows who the hell you are, one person knows who you are. I know damn well. Everybody knows one person. So I think it would be really, really cool to have a conversation with her just to talk about stuff like that. She didn't even know she was a badass. She was just. (laughs) She was certainly badass, though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? I feel like this one is hard, but I'd probably just say just keep going because I couldn't live like some people want to go back in time and they want to do it differently. I'm like, fuck that. I'm a decent human and I'm a almost (laughs) well-rounded adult because of all the shit that I went through and all the craziness. There might be a person or two I'd say maybe dodge them. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like it'd be less heartache and stuff like that. But but truly just one day at a time. I feel like it's one day at a time. And then maybe I would tell myself to, you know, 
I don't like the word self-help, but I love self-help books. They're so fantastic. Mel Robbins is amazing. Tony Robbins is great. Gretchen Rubin is awesome. I would probably say start trying to find yourself sooner. And I mean, I'm always on this journey of finding myself and reading things that are going to make me better and just just trying to have better lessons. And I feel like I would have reflected a lot sooner in my life. Like now I reflect all the damn time. I'm always like, oh, how did that work out? And how did this work out? And, you know, I journal every day and all these things. But I feel like if I would have started it sooner, it probably would have been, it it would have been neat. But I'm pretty okay with the way everything has turned out. (laughs) Beautiful. Well, our experiences in life shape who we are. So you wouldn't be where you are if you didn't go through all the steps that you went through to get here. So nope, completely correct. (laughs) Lastly, Tanya, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, (laughs) what would that last 30 seconds are like, like your corner of the world, your people, your tribe, what words of wisdom would you impart? I would probably tell them quit being so fucking mean to yourself. And I have to say this to myself every single day. We look in the mirror and we just say shitty things to ourselves in our mind, but they don't come out of our mouth or anything. But I feel like everyone is so damn hard on themselves. We need kindness to other people, but we also need it to ourselves. I'm constantly battling looking in the mirror and just being a dick to myself. And it's like, my best friend would never say that shit to me. So why would I ever say it to myself? So I think if I could tell people to honestly take a real look in the mirror kind of thing or change something, it's just be a lot kinder on yourself and then just do the thing. Stop talking about doing the thing and just go fucking do the thing. Life is short. Go fucking do it. That's right. That's it. Tanya, thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today. It's been such a pleasure to sit down and have the opportunity to speak with you. So thank you for being here and for sharing a bit about your story and your journey and for shining your bright, beautiful light out onto the world with the work you do. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Brad. I appreciate the invite. And this has been Oh, such a fun hour. Thank you. It has. It's been awesome. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Tanya Rooney. She's the founder and owner of Yeah, You're Here, short and midterm rental company, and the founder of the Thank You Project. Thanks, Tanya. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. You too. Thanks, Brad. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.